0: All right. Rashawn Ali. Rashawn Ali is an actress, journalist, media personality, fitness competitor, so much more. You've done so much. You've been on Sister Circle. You worked with Tyler Perry, acted on All the Queens Men. Three Can Play That Game, A Christmas Blessing, The Gospel, you know, work with ESPN, NBA TV and, you know, numerous, numerous other things. With all that you've accomplished, how do you remain so humble and hungry?
1: I think with any uh, dreamer and any person who uh, is ambitious, I think the thing about continuing to move forward is once you accomplish one thing, you're thinking about accomplishing the next. Um, I never settle. It's not that I don't settle. It's just that I always keep moving. And I also know that God has blessed me tremendously with many gifts. And I want to leave this place very empty meaning I want to do everything that God placed on my heart. And so um, if it's acting one day, if it's hosting, if it's speaking at a convention the next day, if it's talking about being in a documentary, I'm talking about my weekend. <laughs> if it's being on set all next week um, and then cooking dinner and picking up kids from school, then I'm going to try to do all of those things and try to be my very best at each of those. So um it, it it's just how I'm made up. And I look back over my life. I've always been my parents. I come from a, a strong black and black woman and black man, two parent home that really raised my brother and I to be just um, outstanding people and outstanding individuals, uh, not just in what we do, but in who we are. And so I think that that is just a testament to how they raised us. And uh, I'm grateful to each of them for that.
0: I want to know your origin story. Mm. I want to know like comic book number one. Who was Rashawn as a child? Like the twelve year old Rashawn.
1: Ooh, so I have a twelve year old now. So I'm looking at <laughs> her like she's uh very much like who you know. Who I was I was always just an overachiever. I've always been. You know, the the, the the girl that wanted it all, you know. I was in the school play, the queen of the Arts. the the queen of something for Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, the queen of hearts. That's what that's what it was. You know, acting in that and also being awarded the academic Superstar, and I was at a at a a white school, um, then predominantly white school, so it was an M to M situation, so minority to majority. We got bust out, and so to be awarded the you know the academic honor when I was in the seventh grade, because back then elementary was from kindergarten to seventh. Um, um, to, to to be awarded that, you know, just always just being ambitious. But I was that kid, like at three, that knew I wanted to have a microphone in my hand. Like I wanted to be, uh, you know, in front of the camera in some way, shape, or form. I was that ham child. Like, oh, look at Rashad There she go, and um, you know, everybody knew that I was going to be in in the arts in in in, in some capacity. Um, but you know, journalism took me there, and now you know the world has kind of opened up um, from from my journalism background. So yeah, as a child, I've, I've always I was one of those kids that was involved in in all the sports. Swimming, soccer—not not swimming, soccer. Yeah, swimming, soccer. I played basketball, I was jazz, tap, ballet—all all of that. Um, and so it was just it it, it was just uh, normal for me to just be doing something all the time. I was never idle, never.
0: You know, I love your you guys' generation. My sister went to Hampton from ninety one to ninety five. That's how I originally got hip to hbcus and you guys generation is just special and then hbcus at that time were were so special if you have to compare how HBCU were in the 90s and then this kind of renaissance that we've had over this last five ten years how would you how would you compare the two eras?
1: Wow I think you know my my, my parents went to Delaware State so HBCUs have always been um, ingrained in my DNA. Um, and I have this Hillman sweatshirt on because you talk about, you know, them talking about Delaware state. And then I grew up in the eight, you know, I grew up in the eighties where those, those years were very, I was very impressionable. So seeing uh, a different world and Hillman, it was a big deal. So um, the comparison. Wow. I just saw a meme on Instagram. that said, I bet you the '90s, you know how it was in the '90s uh, as a rattler was something different. And I see everybody from the '90s like, yeah, hit different. It hit different. It just, it just was so. I think because we had, I don't know the the amount of pride we had. Nobody, you know, everybody's talking about HBCUs now, but all we had was us and our community to talk about. HBCUs and to, to to understand the indelible mark it makes on your life and to really grasp the concept of community. Um, that was the 90s and you're coming out of that 80s era and you know and, and, you, and you're approaching the 2000s so we just had that mix of a little bit of old and about to be new, but it was completely ours. If I can explain it like that in layman's terms, but I look back on the, on that time, and I was at Family from '93 to '97, so I got like that, you know, that early '90s, the latter part of the early '90s, and the beginning of the late '90s. So I feel like I got that real sweet spot. Um, but you know, I think each era has its own personality. But the the thing that like brings us together is our love for one another our love for our people our love for our institutions and knowing that this is something that we could always call our own um and nobody can take that away from us like nobody can ever take that away from us so I wouldn't say there's you know of course there's gonna be a difference because we're gonna 90s rat right, gonna be like um uh, OK, yeah, y'all cute or whatever, but the 90s Rattlers, we got it in. But of course, the 80s Rattlers would tell us that like, oh, we can see a drive through set, you know, all of that. So um, I don't know. I just think that there's always going to be some beautiful commonality amongst each era uh, in HBCUs, um, and they're all equally as beautiful, and all of them have their own personalities. But that one thing that brings us together is our love for one another, our love for community, and our love for
0: our schools, for sure. Now, I'll tell you what I would say. Okay. I would say, since you were there from 93 to 97, it was because of you all that made FAM so great because we won College of the Year in 97. Yes, we did. So you have class of 98 that came in, but they hadn't seen the College of the Year yet. Mm -hmm. My class was class of 99 coming in. And we had so many elite people because when we were making our decision on what school we were going to, it was because you guys had set the standard
1: Yeah,
0: from 93 to 97 for fam to win college of the year. Yeah. So we had so many talented people coming in in 99. So we got a chance to experience the late late 90s and then yeah. those early 2000 which was just just such a special time
1: this is so. very special i mean but you talk to these babies now like 20 2022 they be like hey this my school you know so it's yeah. all about perspective and i love you know you just reminded of it when you go back to fam because everybody has their own you know era like you're going to have the 90s parties you know what i mean you're going to have the late 90s parties you're going to have the 2000s parties and then now these new babies they're going to have the, the the 2015 parties and everybody has their own just just those, those silos but you know it's the the love is equally the same in each of those uh, silos it's just it's just great you see the smile on my face like i the, the way i feel about FAMU and my hbcu experience is something that i just I cherish it. I cherish, I cherish it. And I, um, you know, I'm a 10th grader now and she came to homecoming with me and my husband this past homecoming and she, yeah, I think she might be a rattler. She might be a rattler or a bison, but she definitely, is definitely going to go to a black school for sure. I'm about 95% sure.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Now you spoke, you said that you were in the sports growing up. And I've spoke to a lot of high achievers that were into sports growing up. Yeah. And I know you're big on sports, especially for young women, because you have a nonprofit that works around little girls getting into kind of off. I I shouldn't say off brand, but not normal sports, non-traditional.
1: Yeah.
0: My niece plays lacrosse. She's a college lacrosse player. That's Awesome. And I really think it has helped her in being, a, you know, an all around person. What is it about sports that creates high achievers?
1: Oh, my goodness. If you look at many women who are in corporate America, I mean, several entrepreneurs. Like if you just look at a, a, a woman's a woman who you deem to be an outstanding leader, if you look at her resume or bio, I would say. Seven times out of 10, she played a team sport. There is something about. A sport in general. There's something about literally and figuratively knowing how to win and lose, how to fall and get back up, how to work together collaboratively as a team. And when you, I I swam, so of course there was an individual sport, but always keeping your eye on the wall and keeping your eye on the line at the bottom of the pool, staying focused on your race. Those are transferable skills. Yes. That you see play out in each and every life that has really, really gained the type of experience you gain from being in a sport. I owe everything to Florida A&M University swim team. Um, I was there. I swam all four years at FAM Um, from August to February. Every single year I swam We had the longest season. We started when the football team got there for preseason and we ended when they were getting ready to go back to spring ball, you know. So um, and we swam and we swam twice a day. And I had this life as as a collegiate student athlete, but still did all of the other things, too. So I look back on that experience and it just really was a preface to how my life is today. I looked at my schedule today. I had literally seven things to do. Um, they were all in the schedule, but that wasn't any different from when I was at FAM. And I had seven things to do, whether it was swim practice. Well, it was swim practice. Uh, I had to go to class. You go to the calf and come back to swim practice. You got sorority meeting. You got step practice. You got queen of orange and green. You got to go to the court meeting. You know, all of those things. And then you get back up and you do it the next day. Those things helped me become who I am today. So a day like today is not foreign. I've been doing it. So being a student athlete gave me this discipline that I don't know I would have gotten had I not been an athlete. And the fact that I don't ever want to not be healthy or never want to not be in shape because, because of having been an athlete my entire life.
0: Who introduced you to sports and swimming?
1: My daddy.
0: Mm. My daddy. Mm. Was he a swimmer?
1: So, yeah, he swam a lot. I, don't, I He didn't swim competitively, but he grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. So the beaches, mm-hmm. um, yeah. um, they, they, they grew up swimming in the beaches. You know, it was the Jim Crow South. So they only had a particular beach that they could go to. But um, he just had a love for water. introduced me and my brother to, to the water early. I started swimming when I was three. I started swimming competitively when I was five, and back then in DeKalb County, you know, uh, summer league swimming, there were no, there weren't a lot of little girls swimming at the time, especially not a lot of black girls. So I was swimming with the boys when I was five. But right around the time I was six, there was more little girls coming, and um, he coached our swim team. It was a mixed swim team, so it was, you know, they taught us like how to be able to coexist. Um, we didn't know, you know, I, I hate when people say you didn't know race, but we, you know, when you're kids, like you're just swimming. Um, and he was the he was the coach. Uh, I swam with him. I mean, I swam with him throughout my whole life, but then I started becoming more serious and started swimming year round and getting with the AAU teams and USA swimming teams and all of that. But my dad introduced me to swimming and then I played uh uh, soccer and basketball and softball and the jazz tap and ballet was it's just just always been involved in something. Oh, it's <laughs> so yeah. My parents and my and funny story. My mom uh, is a football guru. She actually coached um, a pop Warner team at our local park and uh, took the took the boys to an undefeated uh, season. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. My dad is a legendary uh, retired now uh, high school football coach. He has a stadium named after him here uh, in Atlanta, uh, in Decatur, Buck Godfrey Stadium, William Buck Godfrey Stadium. He sent over 300 and 350 boys to to school. Um, Majority of them went to HBCUs. He sent a lot of kids to to FAMU. Uh, My dad is a a legend um, here. Um, he, he, He is a legend. He's a uh, Georgia Association Hall of Fame coach, like he's got all the things. He's 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 that guy. Um, so sports sports have been a part of my whole life. My brother went to Tennessee State, He was all American punter. So you know sports are big. My girls are softball players. My husband's a track coach. You know sports are everything here. We're looking forward to you know uh, the upcoming AFC and NFC championship this weekend, the Super Bowl. That's just that's just us. That's our family.
0: Who, do you, Who do you have? Do you, do you have, have the Rams, Rams and the Chiefs? And Chiefs. Like, me? like me?
1: I mean, I really would like to see the Rams do their thing. <sighs> yeah, the Rams and the Chiefs. Okay. okay. Yeah. I'm just. I just hope that everything is just as good as it's has It has been leading up to this point.
0: I have a feeling it will be. Last weekend was.
1: Oh. I mean, if you are any type of football fan, last week will probably last weekend will probably go down in in history for like the best one of the best weekends in in in, in professional football ever. Ever. Yeah.
0: Why did Why you choose me? Oh
1: my goodness! So I applied to four HBCUs. Tennessee State, North Carolina A&T, Jackson State, and Florida A&M University. I got into each of them. I got an academic scholarship to Jackson State, um, and I just got in as a regular student to Tennessee State and North Carolina A&T and and FAMU at the time. My SAT score shot up. I took the test one more time, and then I became eligible for the presidential scholarship Mm -hmm. under the late, great Dr. Humphreys. I applied for a presidential scholarship, got a presidential scholarship, and then somehow the swim coach got wind of the presidential scholar that could swim, who could swim. Called from the swim coach, got more money from being a student athlete. So I got three scholarships, presidential, ended up getting a journalism scholarship, and I got um, a swimming scholarship. So I chose FAMU. But my god sister went to FAMU, um, and my godmother and, and my godfather they all are from a FAMU family. So when I was in the tenth grade, grade oh, little feedback, sorry. Um, when I was in the tenth grade, I went to uh, homecoming and hung out with her the whole weekend. I said, "Oh God!" And she had an apartment off campus. And her mama them just let me be with her all weekend. I said, "Oh yeah, this is. Uh, I think this is where I need to be. This is where I need to be." Mhm.
0: I was a little young when my sister was in school, but from ninety six to ninety eight, I would go with my cousin who went to Morehouse. And I hung out with him and I was in high school. We were going to a lot of different places where club SO was around club One Twelve. You know, it was just a lot of different things I got a chance to do. And I said, I can't focus in Atlanta, but I'm going to a HBCU. So I kind of had that experience too. You got to experience it.
1: You have to, you, you have to, you have to see, you have to see, why people feel the way we feel because if you can't see it you can't understand it you will never be able to understand it if you have never experienced it so you know i know the conversation there's been plenty of conversations you know of some of our brothers and sisters who chose pwis and and that's fine i'm sure your black student union was amazing <laughs> i mean it's no shade i just I'm just saying I'm just, there is nothing like it's, it's just nothing like it. It's just nothing like it. And it's fine. It's totally fine. Everything's fine, guys. Like, it's, it's fine. Kudos. I've got many friends who chose that route. I just wasn't one of them.
0: Same, Same here. here.
1: Yeah.
0: Why did you choose to pledge Alpha Kappa Alpha?
1: Well, I have been influenced or had been influenced by my mother. My mother pledged mm-hmm. um, Alpha Kappa Alpha in 1965 at Delaware mm-hmm. State University. Mm-hmm. So my whole life, I was just around the pink and green. I mean, she would take us to sorority meetings, mm-hmm. me and my brother. My dad was coaching. And I just remember we would, it, was, uh, it was like the conference room area of the local Macy's. It was riches back then. And I just remember like, oh, it's been so long. And at the end, you know, as a kid, you don't really know cadence or like, you know, the rhythm of the song. And now that I know our national hymn, of course, I've known it for 27 years. But all I remember the, the ladies singing around in the circle. Kappa, alpha. <laughs> so, and so I was just like I was influenced by that my entire life and seeing my mom's scrapbooks. My dad is an Omega as well. So like they're old school scrapbooks. We would just, we would go through those a lot. And I would see her and like, it's beautiful. Like, um, they had like these satin, like bell bottom pants. They were green and like a little pink tops and everybody was just fly. I was like, okay, okay, okay. That's cool. So I didn't even really know any other, um, sororities um, growing up. I mean, I learned a little bit later on. I was like, oh, okay, it's other sororities. But I didn't, once I started doing my own research, I was like, oh, okay, there's three other sororities. And, but when I got to FAM, I was like, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted to do in my sophomore year. You know, when, you, when you've been kind of, you know, when, you, when you've been raised around it, that's what you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did in the spring of 1995. That's right. March 12th
0: what is it about fraternity and sorority members that make them high achievers? Is it the selection process or the process that you go through when you get in?
1: Um, I think obviously there is a, a certain standard or certain GPA and certain qualifications that you're, you know, that you are, you know, are expected to have to even be able to apply. Um, and I think once you get in, because you learn so much, not only because you chose that particular fraternity or sorority, but you start to learn how to deal with people. You start to learn how to uh, make things happen um, despite, well, you, you learn how to really be, you know, work as a team. Um, if you are going to serve the community and have, Real sisterhood—you have to work at that. If you're going to serve the community and have real brotherhood, you have to work at that. Um, I think a lot of people think that oh, it comes automatically and all that. No, once it's almost like when you get married. Once you pledge and you and you and you and you go over, that's when the real work starts. Once you get married, that's when the real work. Who are you going to be? Are you just gonna wear your letters? You are gonna stroll? There's plenty of people doing that. Plenty of people doing that, but how are you going to make a difference? And I knew that I wanted to be different. I mean, I remember even at, at Fan and Beta Alpha, we would go to the local Boys and Girls Club. We would mentor those girls. I still remember those girls' faces that we were there every single week. I mean, I remember. Just doing things in the community and knowing that, okay, this is what it's all about. Of course, it's going to be about the fun and being cute and all that kind of stuff. I wasn't one of them kind of people. Like, I like to work. I like to step. I like to step hard. I like to do those things. I like to be in the community. But when you understand what it's about, I think that's how you benefit from it. Um, And I think because you learn that early, especially as an undergrad, learning how to do the business of the fraternity and sorority that's what allows you to be the achiever that you are if you do it right i, agree. You, it right. I agree you do it right and i wanted to do it i wanted to do it right so i like to be an example for other young um alpha kappa alpha women and not just alpha kappa alpha women I know I've had a lot of mentees who pledged other organizations, but they always say because of the way you worked for yours or because of the way how you showed up for yours, even though that's what I didn't want to do that. I want to be like you in the way that you represent yours in mine. So no matter what you decide to, to pledge, which is why I started my brand Kusora because I wanted people to see that we are more alike than we are different. Um, I wanted us to have a a safe space for commonality um, because there has been a lot of dissension over the years. We we don't have time for dissension, (laughs) not as a people. We got so much going on. We got so much going on. So that is why I chose to, what God placed on my heart to be, to create Kusora and Kubra because we gotta be cool with each other so that we can make sure that what we are doing It's moving the culture forward and moving our people forward.
0: And I've noticed that, that people that aren't in my organization, a lot of times they can support just as much or even more than some people within, you know, your own organization.
1: It's
0: a a funny thing. So, you know, that's, I think that's a good thing you're doing with CoolSora. Now, what, now, what, now, how did you approach cool CoolSora. Did you approach it from, uh, I want to get some ideas out. I want to talk to different people. I want to just do a podcast because podcasts are what's going on now. What was your approach to it? And then now that you've navigated through it, because I have a podcast and podcasts aren't easy. They aren't easy, easy to grow. It's no real hack that you can do. How have you approached it? And then I saw what you have done with some of the merchandise and that's some high level stuff you're doing right there. So I know it's a bigger vision than just, you know, talking to have a conversation. What was your Good. approach?
1: So, um, God, you know, when, you know, pr- probably really like with your brain, you know, you just, it's placed on, it's placed in your lap. You're like, oh, wow. I remember where I was when God downloaded Kusor to me. I was walking to Top Golf. I had on a Louis book bag, Louis book bag. I had on some, um. I don't know if I had some J's or something, but, you know, I'm a tomboy, you know, and I had on like some, I don't know, a sweatshirt. I love I love a hoodie. I love a hoodie. And my hair was like real fresh. I'm going to get my hair done tomorrow. It ain't right right now, but it's cute enough for the show. Um, and I was like, I said to myself, man, you such a cool sore. I was like. What? What do you mean? So before I even went, I was going to a party before I even got to the party, I stopped by the bathroom at Top Golf. And I went to Instagram, Twitter, and GoDaddy, and I reserved all of it at that moment before I went to the party because I was like, that's mine. I got to make sure nobody else has that right now. So I felt, oh, I went to Facebook, too. And I was like, okay, I'm good. I'll think about it later. At first, I was like, it's going to be a brand. It's going to be cool. And I was talking to my business partner at the time well he's still my great friend but he is like such a mastermind when it comes to marketing he'd been trying to get me to do a podcast for a long time because of my radio background I wasn't you know technically in radio at the time this was in 2015 mm-hmm. when I came up with the idea and, and and I told him I was like yeah we could do the, we could do the merchandise and then you know because we're not like using any crests and anything like that we don't have to do like we don't have to be an authorized vendor I don't, I don't have money for that right now all of that and he was like yeah that's cool but I think you should do a podcast where you just you talk to black women about their journeys and their lives. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And literally that's how, so I started it in 2016 before this whole onslaught of podcasts and it just, it blew up, it blew up. Um, And so when I started sister circle though, which was in 2018, I had to slow down. I was doing two episodes a week. You already know how two episodes a week could be, right? Rolling it out, getting it. And I had a great team, everything. And everything kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, and so now I'm just getting back. No, I, I kept it going, kept it going. And I still have it going, but I was doing it every week. But then I I, I, um, I realized that I wanted to do a, 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 a video podcast. So I did a video podcast with Melissa Mitchell- and did some other things and now did one with our national president, Dr. Glenda Glover. And so now, I'm, you know, I'm about to relaunch CoolSore with the audio and video coming up in March. So we're recording some shows in late February. Um, so continue to tell these stories, but I'm going to bring it. You know, I'm going to do more celebrity driven. So I'm going to do CoolSore's entertainment. So, you know, I have a wish list of CoolSore's you know, from every organization that are in the entertainment space. And then we'll go to cool sores and business, like people in the in the C-suites, like up there, up there. Not to say that I'm not going to continue to do my everyday cool sores who are making it happen, but you do have to continue to elevate. And I think it's time to really just, you know, push the needle a little bit and um, do shorter seasons. So I'm not killing myself. OK, and then just up the ante just a little bit, but still 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 cater to my core audience who were there for those lovely everyday stories, but still give them a little bit like, Oh, okay. She got, Oh, I forgot. She was a, okay. You know, that type of thing. And with the brand partnership with um, shop LHP, um, I know, I know them very well from, you know, the businesses that they've had in the past. And now shop LHP, um, is doing great with Tahir as the lead, but I have known the entire, um, company, and their family for quite some time, and so uh, I reached out to them, and I was like, "Hey, I got an idea. Uh, what do you think about?" Because I had T-shirts and I had you know smaller things, but I'm like, "I need something. fly. I need something to match my fly. I need quality." And LHP is just quality. It's quality, it's quality across the board. And they love the idea, and we partnered, and it has really blown up. It's really blown up. Wait we roll out this cool brother.
0: Oh, <laughs> I'm going to give me one of those. <laughs> I already know you are.
1: I'm going to send it to
0: you. <laughs> yeah. Shop LHP is is real dope. And they've been around for a while. And I don't know them, but I know them. You know, I know everybody via Instagram. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, they're, they're real dope. We, I think yeah. we may have talked before. Yeah. Now, you're everybody's home girl. Let Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit. Okay. Okay. How do you stay focused on your core audience? But me and you both know names is what drive things. Yeah. And when you start to get guests that don't really have the name recognition, you want to support.
1: Yeah.
0: But when you do all this work and it doesn't get the traction that you need, it can kind of be a little bit frustrating. So you want to do the celebrities and you want to do people that have this name recognition. How do you balance pushing what you need to push to get your name out there more and supporting people that are early in their journey?
1: I think you can do both. I think you can do both. Um, and and, and, and and I have and I have like if, if if I went the name route from here on out, the work I've done in the past will speak volumes because everybody who has followed this journey knows what I've done in the past. Um, and I've had. The thing about it is. While we know the game and the celebrity game and all of that and the name game, everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Some of my most compelling most compelling podcast episodes are just people telling their truth. I got a Neo who had a a stillborn and she talked about her grapple with God. That right there that episode still goes down to me as one of the best I've ever done. One of the best I've ever done. I got a homeboy One of my best guy friends, Kappa, went through a divorce and he's a comedian, actor, my man Rob Minger, amazing. His episode was two hours long. One of the best episodes I've ever done. hands down. Will Packer's interview was fantastic. Rob Hardy's interview was fantastic. Sherry Riley, Keisha Walker. I mean, countless people that I've had on my show. I've had names. That's what I'm saying. Like, When I'm putting the theme on it, I think it'll wrap it up with a bow. But I've had everybody. I've had a lot of people. And I've always valued each interview the same. And I've treated each interview the same, which is why the universe continues to bless me because I treat everybody the same. No matter what you do, where you are. That is why I know I'm continuing to stay blessed in my life because I don't make a difference. I don't make a difference. And I know people like, well, if you just say it, you're going to have names. I'm like, yeah, I'm elevating. I'm doing this. You know, I'm trying to keep it. I'm trying to, 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 to you know, um, again, make, make it a theme kind of thing. But I think if you balance it right, you treat people the same. You can only gain respect from that. You can only continue to be blessed from it.
0: And it's probably because. Anyone that's had any level of success, someone gave them a shot. Yes. Who was the who was the first person to give you a shot?
1: Wow. Will and Rob. Freshman year. There was a line outside of what's that building? Uh, it was the student union then, I guess. But I was a freshman, fresh Bob, you know. I'm from Atlanta, you know, because we got a lot of love, you know what I'm saying? Everybody from Atlanta back then used to dress like the TLC girls. So, you know, we 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 guess we guess shorts, we slouch socks with Tim's on, we got hair and bones on, yes. heel shirts, you know what I mean? Like we the the, the Atlanta girls <laughs> 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 ah, We were the shit, sorry, didn't mean to curse, but we were. Um and so I walked into that audition, being me, auditioned for this role, Alice, who played uh, opposite Jason Carter's, Jay Carter's uh, uh, character. And I got the role. I got the role. And it changed everything. It changed everything. Um, that changed, you know, Chocolate City changed everything for, for Will and Rob. Um But it did. They gave me a shot and they continue to give me shots to this day. Will just gave me a shot to open up ESPN First Take when he got the um, when he had his amphitheater uh, dedicated uh, this past homecoming. He tapped me. He was like, yeah, uh, I really want you to do the intro to ESPN First Take. Uh, I'm going to have them set it up. I was like, OK, you know, and it's crazy because I auditioned for First Take. Uh, I forgot what year it was, but I was in the audition cycle with Carrie Champion. Um, yeah, and Carrie talked about it on the interview. It was like a, a few of us, it was me, Mel Hill, Carrie Champion. I flew up to Bristol, everything. I did the whole interview with Skip Bayless and Stephen A, all of that. So, to be able to intro that show at Homecoming for Will Packer, and I just hosted the whole unveiling ceremony two hours prior, I mean. I mean, I know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I it, it, it just continues to, it's, it continues to pay itself forward. The, the decision to be a rattler, decision to be an HBCU graduate, the decision to walk across the highest of seven hills.
0: What was that experience like? I didn't get a chance to make it down there, and I was really mad that I didn't get a chance to make it down this year for homecoming. Tell me, tell me about that. Cause it was, cause you know, I heard about it and I saw it and I really had a lot of FOMO with that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Everybody who didn't come had FOMO. Yeah. And I understand the people that didn't come and I didn't rub it in anybody's face. Cause it was, you know, the, 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 the COVID cases were going back up and. Well, no, we were at a little standstill then that's before Omicron came out. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, yes, it we was, were, it was okay. It was,
1: but my thing was, and my rationale was I never was not going to go. I was always going to go. And uh, I was you know, vaccinated and I had just had COVID. So I had a breakthrough case. So I was like, oh, me and these good antibodies are going down in Tallahassee. Okay? So, and then I also thought about the, the people, especially in my era. I said, I know the people in my era are not going to come down to Tallahassee if they're sick If they're not vaccinated and whoever, you know, wherever you are on the vaccination curve or whatever, if they're not vaccinated, I just know the people that I'm going to be around are going to be careful. And that's how I looked at it. But I looked. It was. When it said FAMU's epic return. I've been to a lot of homecomings. I've been to a lot of Atlanta games because I'm from here. That might have been the best one. If not my top three. It was a big hug. It was a big hug that did not stop for 72 hours. From the from wheels unveiling to ESPN, to him bringing all these celebrities to our, to our campus. I hosted the, the, the stage right after it. Shout out to my girl, Nikki Foster. She hooked me up with that. I was able to be out there with the young people. Hell, I look just, I look young as I'm,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I
1: mean, I'm, I'm out there hanging. out. I'm seeing people that from my hometown, you know, like that I know we're going to go and I know their parents are like, Mr. Rashad. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, it's like, you know, and just, and it was that it was, it was everything. It was everything. When it, when whoever came up the FAMU epic return, it embodied every single letter of that phrase.
0: So you're just going to keep rubbing it in.
1: Yeah, I am. You asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> you I, I think you should have just bitten. The, just come on out, man. Come on out. It was great. It was great. Hopefully, I think 2022 is going to be big, though. I think it's going to be big. I definitely do. Because me and my line sisters are literally, we got a groupie right now. Um, we have a line sister that takes care of all of our rooms. And, like, everybody's already, we already, we're booking everything up.
0: Yeah, once that schedule came out, every me was like, hey, you better book now. Book now. <laughs> look, look.
1: My by us, my us, husband's cousin sent out a save the date to their wedding. It's in October. It's October 22nd. This is before the game. This is before the, the, the schedule came out. I said, oh, we're not going to that wedding. Cause I'm not sure when, when homecoming is. So we're going to go ahead and do the stuff prior to, we're not going. When that thing came out, it said the following weekend, I said, okay, we're going to go, we're going to go. Cause it's the weekend before, <laughs> but yeah, it's a thing. It's a destination.
0: When you talk to journalism students now that are matriculating through school, what advice do you give them to stand out if they want to be in entertainment?
1: I don't say that I would give them advice to stand out. I always say it is a marathon, not a sprint. I told my baby Ism that last night. I texted her. I'm on a board of I'm on the board of an organization called Rising Media Stars, and it really develops young Black women who want to be in sports and entertainment. Um, it's it's headed up by Lachina Robinson. She's a WNBA analyst on ESPN. Like she is, I'm on that board. And so they're accepting applications for their third cohort. And they've had a lot of amazing um, sideline reporters and reporters who've come through this program. And I told her I wanted her to apply. And, And she was like, yeah, everything's, you know, she's talking about, I'm going to my senior year. And she's like, I'm just, I don't know what to do. I'm like, girl, relax, breathe. Because Instagram, microwaves, everything makes us feel like we have to have it. Overnight. I didn't get on daytime television until I was 42. I didn't get on regular TV every day until I was forty two. Now I had some spots, you know, anchoring, style important on set, but like like what I've always wanted to do, 42 years old. Wait, was I forty? 41. 41. Anyway. Not saying that her journey or anybody else is going to be like that, but your journey is your own. And I think we get so caught up in looking at what everybody else is doing, thinking that we're supposed to be there and I'm guilty of it too. When we just got to say, okay, this is mine. This is what I'm supposed to be. So as far as standing out, you got to just continue to be authentically who you are. I remember when I auditioned for sister circle, Somebody sent my reel to the creator of the show, who was a white woman, ironically. I love her to death, but she was a white woman who created Sister Circle. And um, I sent her my reel. My reel had a CNN um, sit-down interview that I had with Frederica Whitfield talking about uh, that Ravens player, forgot his name, who got kicked out of the league because he uh, abused his wife on the elevator. I forgot his name, but we were talking about that story. Um, I did a Kobe Bryant story. Um, just all of these things. I did, I was silent reporting CBS sports and they all of my things. And I thought this was the best reel ever, still a great reel, but she sat down, she took me to breakfast and she is a news lady. She's, a, you know, she's been a director, news director. She's been around a long time. She was like, yeah, I mean, I liked your reel, but I don't know who you are. And I was like, Huh? What do you mean? But I was so focused on trying to be the black Aaron Andrews that I wasn't Rashawn Ali. Yeah. When I started becoming who I am, being from Decatur, still articulate, but can listen to Jeezy, but also meditate yeah. and be both the, can, can interview Gucci man, but also interview Michelle Obama and really showing all of my gifts. Instead of trying to be someone I wasn't, that's when I started to thrive. When I was like, let me be who I am. Let me be who I am. And I, my one of my monikers or slogans is Rashawn Ali doing media differently. I'm not your typical journalist. I'm not. Just not. I'm like, I'm like, you know, <laughs> you, if you follow me on Instagram, it's, it's a lot. I, I posted a me and a Jeezy video today. Um, On my reel, because I'm featured in one of his songs, Bury Me a G, check it out. Um, I played a reporter in that. But I'm also, you know, um, big on meditation and spirituality. But I also play a very promiscuous character in All the Queen's Men. I'm very diverse. I'm also going to be speaking at a Founders Day celebration this weekend. And also featured in my sorority's um, uh, documentary. But I'm not afraid to be who I am. And that's what I want to show people. I was afraid to be all of who Rashawn was for so many years to the detriment of myself. And so if I could teach any girl, any young woman or man, don't be afraid to be who you are. We're varied people. We're very complex people. And I think society makes us feel like we're only supposed to be this. We are this. Everybody ain't gonna like all of this, but as long as you do, that's what matters. Yeah.
0: Cut clip. <laughs> <laughs> you compete in fitness competitions. I do. Talk me through your regular fitness routine and then talk me through when you're getting ready for a competition because I've been, a, I'm a, I lift weights but I've never competed, but I know these guys turn into different beasts when it's, when it's competition time. So talk me through your regular routine yeah. and your routine leading up to a competition.
1: Man, I wish my family were here so they could tell you <laughs> that first competition was, was a beast because I was coming from being in and, and my trainer calls it. You were in general population you were in gym pop. It took you. You, you got to work to get out of general population to be in, in, in a different type of group. So that first competition, my my eating, my, my I mean, my diet was so very strict because you're talking about losing weight and then carving your body. Okay, so that part was very difficult because it was a complete lifestyle change from being just someone who worked out now mind you i had done great work with my my other trainer i love her she's my sora lauren she's fantastic done i was i was when i did sister circle she got me ready for sister circle i was cut i was but it's a different type of cut when you're turning when you're training for a competition so when i switched over because she doesn't do that type of training i switched over to another trainer to start training for a show the eating I had to give away one of my favorite things to do, which is to drink wine. I love wine, (laughs) but wine is sugar. And once I decided to let that go, that was 12 pounds immediately. Gone. Gone. Um, It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do physically. That first show. Um, but most gratifying thing when you get on that stage and you see your body literally transform, you're like, who, who is this? Because what people don't know and what you know, because you lift weights and you've seen other guys do it that peak week, what you look like on Sunday. And then what you look like on Saturday of that same week is a different person, totally. completely different person. Cause you're literally thinning your body out. You're high, you're, you're dehydrating your body. You, you got a tan, you know, now you're building all these muscles up, but you have to literally squeeze every piece of water out of your body so that you can see the muscles. So you get on stage, you're like, oh, my God, look at Rashawn. How is she so cut? Come Sunday, though, I'm going to be cut, but I'm not going to be cut like I was Saturday. And then come next Friday, you start celebrating, you start drinking again, you start eating again. You're not looking like that. I was 117 my last show. I'm I'm 129 right now. It's my thick It's <laughs> <laughs> my thick, but it was uh um, it's been, I'm in training now, but I'm building so I get to kind of eat what I want because I'm trying to in the bikini category your your the separation of your glutes and your hamstrings are are weighted more than anything. I've always had abs. I've always had a good back because of my swimmer because I'm a swimmer. I wasn't a blessed black girl when it came to my glutes. Uh, that ain't that ain't my strength so I have to eat I have to eat a lot to build that muscle throughout this so my next show is in May so right now I'm not eating that much I'm not eating a whole lot right now because I'm going to be in production next week so you know for my character I want to be a certain size of my character but when we finish shooting which is February the 8th um, I'll definitely I'll get back on creatine and I'll start building a little bit more and I'll start you know my husband like when I get when I'm in my little creatine state because, like, you know, I got a little bit more back there. But it's like we have to figure out a formula where that peak week where I don't lose too much. Last time I had thicker, but I lost so much in that week that I got back thin, and the booty part just went away. I was like, damn. So, but I love it, though. I love it because I don't ever have to get ready and stay ready.
0: Let's nerd out right here a little bit. Okay. Do you are you doing high reps? Are you are you doing 2015 12 tens? Are you heavy weight on Mondays and Wednesdays? Like, tell me really what you're doing. Are you doing cardio? Are you running four or five miles?
1: Are- so, right now we are in a heavy cycle. So, we're in a heavy cycle, so I'll tell you this yesterday I did uh, reverse leg presses. 450, 405 pounds, Um, right? But we started with whatever the two plates, I don't know, I just lifted. We started with a set of 20 to get my legs right. Then he kept adding on four sets of 10. And then we ended with 20 reps with a lighter weight. So we're in a heavy, heavy, heavy cycle. We also did did sumo reps, sumo um, deadlifts with 110 pound dumbbell like on two boxes, four sets of 10 of that. So we're heavy. We're in a heavy cycle right now. So we're building, but we just came off of a light cycle. So it was higher reps, lower weight. Mm -hmm. Now it's, it's uh, more, I mean, it's heavier weight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was higher reps. Yeah. Higher reps, lower weight. And now we got lower reps, lower reps, heavier weight. So we'll probably be on this heavy cycle for I think four to five weeks. That he'll cycle back out. So when I get back from my production, that's when I'll start the creatine and the and the chicken and the black rice and the kidney beans and like he's trying to pack on some weight. So,
0: what's your favorite day? I I love going in there and hitting hitting chest and then arms. I like to, and then back day. I'm like oh you know, I kind of dread it. You know, we all have our favorite body parts to train. What's your favorite to train?
1: Uh, buys and tries. Buys and tries for sure. I love my arms and I like to keep my arms like really, really as cut as possible. Uh, I hate legs. That's what we have to work on the most. Legs are three days a week. That's when I'm with my trainer personally. And then he puts everything else in the app that I can do either upstairs. I got like a little, you know, I got my Peloton. I've got like some free weights and um, I've got this little, um, hip thruster thing that I bought off Instagram called booty sprout <laughs> I did um and I do it, it depends on where we are in the cycle as far as cardio because I'm a fast loser he has to monitor my my um cardio because I will lose too much too fast so right now because I'm going into production next week and I want to look a certain weight, a certain way my cardio is up but when I get back he's definitely probably gonna cut cardio because he just wants me to bill 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 yeah i love it's a science it's a science behind the body i love it
0: i love it it is is. i I try a a diet called the slow carb diet i got it from tim ferris and it's where you know so i'll do bacon and two egg whites with the egg for flavor for breakfast i'll do a salad with some chicken I'll try to do another salad because I need those two two lunches kind of to kind of stay okay. And then at night you try to do vegetables and either beef or chicken. Nice.
1: What
0: what what do you like? What do you eat on a regular when you're you know, you're working out, but not in the cut stage? So what is just a stand in peak in 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 good shape for you what does that meal look like for you those meals look like for you
1: yeah i mean it's uh it's ground turkey um a a vegetable maybe a brussels sprout and the sweet potato like i would do that like today i had cod and, and 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 broccoli and cabbage i haven't done a whole lot of carbs this week so i'm trying to be you know again just um as possible for next week but um yeah I mean, I may even do a uh, salmon' is such a fatty fish, so I try to like not do too much salmon, but like you know I'll do a salmon he never puts that on my diet because it's he he, he feel, for my body it may be too fat he doesn't even put broccoli on my diet because it makes some women gassy um in their in their uh pelvic area um so i I do that, but I always do a, a nice light fish a lean 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 turkey um and a vegetable that it's fine for me. I like it up uh, for breakfast, I'll do egg whites. Um, with a little avocado um, and some spinach, and also like the little little pico de gallo that I, I like to put on there, just it gives it it's just so delicious. Or I may do um, uh, plain plain oatmeal with blueberries. Um, that's good to me. I don't add any extra sweetener to my my oatmeal. I don't eat dairy. I don't eat sugar uh, or, or consume sugar. Um, and when I I do drink, but it's only tequila. Straight, because there's no carbs in tequila.
0: That's that's my problem. My woman will wake up some days and say, "What happened to all the yogurt in the refrigerator?" I'll go and go crazy on yogurt some days.
1: Really? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like yeah, seriously that. crazy. Yeah, that like, when I and I cut out dairy. When I cut out dairy, everything, and I wasn't even a big consumer of cheese and all of that. And I don't drink milk. I I, I choose uh, I do almond or oat or oat milk. Um, But even that, I just, I feel like it's giving me my youth back. Just completely consumed, that, like just like deleting it or eliminating it from my from my diet. And I just, I just feel better. I I look better. I just, my skin is better. Like everything is better. Yeah.
0: I'm gonna give you a first here.
1: Okay, a first. A first. Okay. Okay.
0: I want to personally be the first. to congratulate you on your upcoming 20th wedding anniversary.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: How important has it been in your journey, in your professional journey to have such a solid foundation?
1: Listen, he just walked in too. That was, that was perfect timing. Man, that guy is awesome. <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a good man.
0: First off, first off, was it the first? Am I the first one to congratulate you early?
1: Yeah, I literally was talking to him about that yesterday. <laughs> he's like, he's at the island in the kitchen doing some work or on his phone. I'm at the computer. I'm working on my speech for Saturday. I was like, hey, man, because we just real cool, right? I like, hey, I saw one of our other couple friends. They about to celebrate their 20th, and she asked me what we doing for our 20th. I was like, hey, what we doing? He like, man, i was just going to worry about that on the 2nd. We got married on the 3rd. August. I was like, really, man? Um, Thank you for saying that. That's, that's awesome. It is, it is, it is special. He's a, he's a, he's an outstanding man, outstanding father. Um, And um, I'm really blessed to have someone who loves me the way he loves me and loves our children and rears our daughters to be beautiful women to allow them to see what a man, how a man is to love you and to treat you. You can't, that, that right there is, is priceless. Um, and then just thinking about like him this morning, just, um, just holding me, you know, like in everything that we, this world um, gives us or we deal with in this world to know that somebody has you like that. Is a blessing. It's
0: a blessing. What's next for you, Rasha? Man.
1: I'm not limiting myself to anything. I am really trying to live by the mantra that I heard from, I think, Wayne Dyer, one of my many books that I read. Um, be open to everything and attached to nothing.
0: That's a good one
1: open to everything and attached to nothing and I have to constantly tell myself that you know this this journey is uh you know social media and, and interviews will make you think that people have it you know all together but you know I have I have my struggles you know I have my times I am like, oh, shit I was just crying in the car yesterday like you know I have my I have my struggles you know I' and, and I'm big on therapy. Um, Meeting with my therapist tomorrow. Um, you know, I want people to see that there is uh, there's several sides to this life. There's several sides to this life, and um, don't try to fool your way out of it. Deal with it, face it. I have to tell myself that all the time too.
0: You know,
1: yeah, face it, because I'm a happy person and try to make you know life all happy all the time. I mean, I know happiness is something you decide on ahead of time, but there are things that you got to deal with. you got to face them head on. And so um, i got to continue to do that. And so hopefully someone watching this will, you know, say, wow, she said face it head on. And hopefully that statement will help change the decision they could have made had they not heard me say it. There's a lot of that going on. So a lot of our brothers and sisters just, Saying they don't want to do it anymore. But you can.
0: No. You can't. I'm so happy for you and proud of you.
1: Thank you so much. This has been so amazing. I love being interviewed. Because I always want people to interview me like I would interview someone else. And you've done just that.
0: So thank you. I want to wish you all the best in all your future endeavors. And thank you for your time.
1: My pleasure. Continue success on everything.
0: Thanks, Michelle. Have a good one. You too. Happy 20th again. Remember, I was the first one to tell
1: you. (laughs) You sure were. Thank you. (laughs) Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye.